scientists believe there's a sound that can make you happier. I'll tell you what to listen for coming right up. The Daily Detour. Welcome in to The Daily Detour. I'm Dan Roberts, and if I got news for you, good news, news that will change your life, that will change the way you hear things. I might be overselling it, but this is cool. Scientists believe that there's a sound that can make you happier. And no, it's not this. And it's not this. Although you'd think. It's not even this. I mean, those things might bring you happiness, but not long-lasting. No, the sound that can make you happier is the sound of birds. Yeah, birds. You know, they hang out in your neighborhood, wake up before you do, singing just outside your window, before you were ready to get up, before your alarm. Yeah, those birds. A couple of recent studies show that just being near them makes us happier. And the more varieties of birds, the better. German researchers say that being around birds can increase your satisfaction in much the same way as a pay raise can. I don't know what they're paying people in Germany, but uh, they have put a value on this. Uh, The scientists say that uh, the mood boosts that birds can bring is equivalent to receiving an extra 150 extra dollars a week in your paycheck. So if you get an envelope that's lumpy on account of there's a bird or two inside... Don't be insulted. It means your boss really appreciates you. They're very pleased with your performance. If they're giving you $150 a week worth of birds. I don't know if I believe all this. I only know what they tell me. But I can tell you, in my experience, that the the happiness, the satisfaction of a pay raise goes away fairly quickly. Like if you're sticking it out at your job for that raise and you finally get it, you're back to being unhappy again before you know it. I mean, the same things that you're not satisfied with are not made better by a bundle of money. And they say that as a person who's never really made a bundle of money. So it's not one of those, ah, that's easy for you to say, Dan. No, it's just in my experience that happens to be true. Money is not the answer. Money is necessary. Money can buy you things. Money keeps you fed. Money puts a roof over your head. But uh, money does not necessarily make you happy. That's what birds are for. If you've ever spent time in the woods gone camping, you know, gone hiking. You already know this to be true. You've already experienced the shift in how the sounds of nature make you feel. You know, who hasn't gone out for a little uh, day trip somewhere, a little adventure on a nice uh, spring or summer day, gone sightseeing? Who hasn't returned from that day feeling better about life? And if you're like me, you've probably said it out loud. I don't know what it is, but I just I always feel better after a day like this. So even though we haven't done a study on it, I think instinctively, you and I both instinctively recognize that this is true. And, you know, I'm sure that our other senses are are coming into play here as well, but this episode is focused on sound, so that's what we're talking about here. And as it turns out, the more sounds that you hear in nature, and the more variety of sounds, from water running through a creek to wind rustling the tree leaves, uh, the chirping of birds which we've mentioned, the more of that that you hear, the bigger the boost to your mood, which is in sharp contrast to what I woke up to this morning, which was a chirping from my smoke alarm, which took uh, a half hour of replacing the battery uh, twice, still couldn't get it to stop, finally had to just pull it out and go buy a new smoke alarm. I guess it's time had come. 
<laughs> but it was uh, pretty early, pretty early in the morning when that happened. Why does that only happen in the middle of the night? Why are you always in bed when the smoke alarm battery tells you it needs replacing? Or in this case, the alarm is telling me that it needs replacing. It's true, right? I'm not alone in that. I'm not the unluckiest man on earth, am I? Everyone has gone through that with the uh, smoke alarm going off. And thankfully, we have them, and I don't want to jinx it, but so far, the score is fires zero. Dan getting up in the middle of the night to replace a battery, I don't know, like 1,200? Something like that. <laughs> so sticking with the theme of sounds, my guest today is Jody Krangle, who has made a career out of the sound of her voice. And she'll tell you everything you ever wanted to know about making money with your voice right after this quick word from our sponsor. Feeling competitive? Unbeatable? Are people constantly praising you for a job well done? You may be suffering from overachiever syndrome. Enter Levana, a new medication that cleverly combines the words lazy and nirvana. Levana will help you slow down, relax, and check out, sometimes for days on end, giving you the time you need to empty your Netflix queue, crush some candy on your phone, or sit like a stone statue and stare into space. Leave winning behind with Levana. Some patients reported dry, unbearably itchy skin, which they were able to ignore. Other symptoms include a propensity for wearing pajamas every waking hour, fewer waking hours, loss of appetite, loss of job, and in extreme cases, a complete loss of control over bodily functions, which most use we're okay with. Remember, you are not feeling lazy. You're feeling Levana. Ask your doctor if Levana is right for you. That was today's guest, Jody Krangle, who was generous enough to record that oh so very important message from Levana, a drug that does not exist, or does it? So Jody is a voice actor, but you won't hear her screaming at talking animals or dropping anvils on their furry heads, feeding them dynamite, that kind of thing. But you've probably heard her voice before, and she may have persuaded you to buy something from one of her clients. Because guess what? That's acting too, which she will explain to us. Jody also hosts the Audio Branding Podcast, where she and her guests help businesses understand the concepts behind and the power of using audio to make a connection with consumers. I think you're going to like it. She's a very likable person, and you're going to learn some stuff. Let's do it. You are host of the Audio Branding Podcast. Yes. And you're a voiceover veteran. Tell us what audio branding is, and then what is your podcast about? Well, there are a lot of definitions for audio branding, but audio branding is using sound to make sure that people know who your company is. It's a way to let people hear what your brand DNA is instead of just see it. So it's more than just a jingle. It's more than just a sonic logo. It's all of the audio that you use across all of your touch points. Is yeah. the brand voice the voice or is the brand voice the voice plus a specific attitude? Or can the attitude change? <laughs> well, I mean, in the case of a voice actor, you want to fit the way that the company wants to be seen and heard as much as you possibly can. But knowing that brand DNA is going to be a lot easier if you've heard a lot of the other stuff they've done. So they so, could switch it up on you. Like if it was oh, like totally. some, they're usually uh, aggressive or whatever, but you know, it's the holidays and they want yeah. to get sentimental on, on people. Oh my goodness. You know who does that all the time? The, oh. the furniture businesses. 
Oh. <laughs> that happens all the time in the furniture business. So, you know, this sale is going on now. You got to you got to get this now, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> drop into your latest store and see this yeah. lovely, you know, whatever, right? So you're like high energy, really yeah. high energy. And then, you know, around the holidays, we want to say that we're so glad you're our client. <laughs> you know, this kind of We're so glad you're a customer. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that whole <laughs> what I love about the furniture places is that no one enjoys, no one celebrates the holidays for longer, like President's Day. I know. You know President's <laughs> Day goes on for at least two weekends. Yes. I'm thinking maybe three. Black Friday. Mm. Oh, <laughs> lasts forever. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not complaining, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, you know, these people, these, these that's people right. are people that I work with and I, I, I love working with them. So I am not complaining. It's your but, bread and butter. Yeah. Well, one, one of. <laughs> yeah. So then with that being said, what can people learn if they pop on an episode of the audio branding podcast? There is a lot. They can certainly learn what audio branding companies do for their clients. So you can sort of learn what the systems they have in place are for helping you figure out what that might be. And, you know, a lot of companies do this on a regular basis. This is something that they're starting to think way more seriously about now as we're, you know, a year into COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> because a lot of audio is becoming way more important. But there is lots more to this thing. So when I created the audio branding podcast, I did originally want to reach out to the people and understand the people who might be my clients. So I wanted to talk to creative directors at ad agencies and video production people and film production people and content management people and anyone who is interested in making a bigger impact for their clients and and really consciously decided to do that with sound. And a lot of them have and you know fantastic. That's that's great for them to do because they're they're on the cutting edge, really. I mean, this is not a new thing exactly, but it's a new thing for it to become mainstream. <laughs> gotcha. Put it that way. So, I talk with a lot of those people, but I also talk with studio owners who deal in in film and uh, a fellow I talked with also does the wind sounds for casino slot machines. <laughs> that was an interesting discussion. And I've talked with uh, Steve Keller at Pandora. He's the sonic strategy director there. And he is really interesting because he's a psychology guy, he's a music guy, and he's an ad guy. So all of those things together make a really interesting yeah. kind of uh, well, know-how on how this all works. Yeah, Advertising for sure is, yeah. is all about the psychology, right? It's about oh, totally. getting yeah. into people's heads and making them desire your whatever you're offering. Yeah, it really is. There's a lot that goes into it and a lot more, I think, than people really know. But I've also talked with people about the International Sound Awards. I've talked with people who use sound in healing. So I talked with a woman in Australia who's a shamanic sound healer. I talk with people who create tones for healing, listening, binaural beats, ASMR, uh, I took the deep dive into ASMR myself not too yeah. long ago. And oh my goodness. As research it, or just to... Well, it was research, but yeah. it became a lot more. Let's just right. say. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if you know what that is. Do I you, do. Are you aware? Okay. Oh yeah, I'm aware. I I just didn't want to like. I don't want Here. the audience to think that's some weird, wacky like. <laughs> you know. How, how's this work for you? Is this... <laughs> too loud. <laughs> is, it, is it too loud, Jody? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's, it's the whispering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about giving you tingles up and down your back of your neck and your arms, yeah. and uh, it's probably about more than that. But that's kind of my go-to brain tingles. They call yeah. it brain tingles. Yeah, yeah. And everyone has different triggers, so there's all sorts of different things that people do on these videos. Right. But, but I really wanted to understand how they were being used in advertising, as well as how they were being used for healthcare. Yeah, the healthcare so, thing is not something I usually think about. So that's uh, in regard to sound. So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it really is. And I've also talked with an audiologist who works with kids who are losing their hearing or have already lost their hearing and what their parents are going through and how they navigate things and uh, what we can do to prevent loss of hearing, you know, that kind of thing. So there's been a really interesting bunch of people that I've talked with, and and I just got uh, over ten thousand downloads. Yeah, that's <laughs> huge. That's it, great. It took a year and three months. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, anyone who's out there, it's all about persistence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this is a fairly new podcast. I started in November, so as it turns out, it's like starting a small business. Yeah. It's and a lot then more it, work you, than people think. <laughs> yeah, and then you start thinking about, well, it seems like it is a small business, so now how do I treat it as such even more and profit from it or, you know, whatever. At least pay for your uh, your hosting service. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. You know. Um, well, very good. How, what was your path to VO? How did you get started doing voiceover? What well, was the calling? Was, uh, the calling. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what it was until about 1995. When I volunteered my time at the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and I was reading books onto tape for about a year there, and it was a lot of fun, and I liked the, the tech as much as I liked the voicing. So we were using reel-to-reel -reel tapes at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Get out that grease pencil and that razor oh, blade. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting process. And, and I really enjoyed it. I had a good time doing it. So, you know, I didn't know what it was until then. And when I did know what it was, I was like, hmm. It kind of it percolated for a long while because I was in uh, SEO and internet marketing for quite some time. From about that time until 2007. You were using reel-to-reel -reel at the same time you were doing SEO? Is that what you're... It I seems like starting, that would already be gone. Uh, no, 1995. Wow. wow. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's true. 1995. Also, this was like a government-sponsored okay. kind of yeah. thing, I guess. Uh, I, I think... Well, actually, you know what? I think the CNIB is separate. I think it, it's its, own, it's its yeah. own entity. It's like a, um, like a charity organization, I guess, with outreach and, and all sorts of things that they provide. So they had limited resources, I'm yeah. assuming, and, and they just did the best with what they had. So even if like ADAT was around at that point, I don't even know if it was. Yeah, but uh, SEO was. So what oh, SEO definitely what was. What it really yeah. sounds like is that you knew about SEO way... <laughs> Way before the rest of us, because now yeah. it's pretty common. Like, you know, it's like you said, it's mainstream. Like, if you don't know what it is, you've at least heard the term and you'd like to know what it is. You know, yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I had a songwriting resource that I started in 1995, and it was basically a collection of 
stuff. Like at the beginning, it was basically just a question I asked songwriters and they could email me an answer and I'd put it up on an HTML page for them. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> and it quickly became a big, you know, font for articles and columnists and artist spotlights and a radio show for a little bit in 2002. <laughs> online yeah. <laughs> when live 365 was available oh Remember yeah live 365 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i don't even think we made it there we were just having it on the website uh we had a message board we had uh all sorts of all sorts of stuff and it became really big but i was promoting it on a shoestring budget i had nothing you know right. <laughs> and so i learned a lot about how to promote stuff on the internet on a budget and I did that for clients until around 2007, when I realized that Google was suddenly the only game in town. <laughs> and I got really bored. Uh. <laughs> and that was when, in the back of my mind, that percolating came to the forefront. <laughs> right. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I haven't done anything with that. Maybe I should have a look at that. And really, for me, it was just a focus switch. Because I was already self-employed. I've been self-employed since probably the year 2000, I want to say. God, that's the dream. Yeah. I think yeah. that is the dream. Yeah, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And you know what? I was struggling for every dollar when I was doing SEO and internet marketing. And I didn't realize that I had really painted myself into a corner because when you're doing things based on an hourly basis, there's only so many hours in a day and you're only one person, right? So, right. So you really have a ceiling as far as that's concerned. Whereas with voiceover, it's a different thing because it's kind of like music licensing. So it's it's a mix of right and left brain, right? So it is a craft, but it's also a business. So you, you kind of, you wear a lot of hats, but what you are doing is licensing your voice. You're not giving it away forever. So people. So are if your contract you ends with a radio station, they have to stop using yeah. whatever they got from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know they pay you based on how long they're going to use it, where they're going to use it, how many people are going to hear it, right? And and whether it's uh, broadcast or non-broadcast, right? So you know, there's really in that case, it's not necessarily that you're getting paid for the hours you work; you're getting paid for the skill. Yeah, and your experience yeah. as well, you know, or because demand it, if you want to, yeah. Exactly. As I get better at this, I get faster. Yeah. I get them what they need faster. Yeah. So, you know, if a client thinks they're going to be on a call, if they're live directing for an hour and, it, and I take 20 minutes, you know, usually they're thrilled. They're like, oh, okay, that was right. easy. <laughs> right. But, you know, it took me 13 years to get that for them. <laughs> right. Well, so there, there's the, the next question then. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people think that it's just talking into a microphone, like the, 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 the layman. Mm -hmm. um, and some people would distinguish between voiceover and acting, but it's really all the same, right? And it's so much more than just talking. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I am not going to say that the people who do animation and video games and audiobooks, I'm not going to say that they are not using a fantastic acting skill. And I have, I, I have huge respect for people who do that. 
I am not one of them. <laughs> uh, but acting is still required when you're talking when you're talking about advertising, even with advertising. I can't just speak the words if I don't care about them because you can automatically hear that in my voice. It's just right there. We're, right. We're, our voices are the windows into our souls, right? Right. It's really intimate and it's really authentic. And if you're not authentic, people can tell. So, you know, that's, that's where the acting comes in. The acting comes in. I am in a totally um, made-up environment in a padded room with a microphone in my face and headphones on looking at a screen often, you know, and yet when someone gives me a script, I can make it sound like I'm talking to someone actually there. Right. That's that's not nothing. That's not <laughs> that, right. that's hard to do for most people. And that's why people get coaching with this kind of thing. So it, it does. It is actually acting, although there are things that can help you get there more easily, like having a music background, for instance. Or like having a DJ experience, because if you're on radio, you're used to ad-libbing. And, right. And you probably have that down pat, right? Whereas that's, <laughs> I don't well, do that a whole lot. <laughs> well, and it's also it's also performing. Yeah, Like it well, is totally. acting if, like, you know, so just like... So it's performing on a stage yeah. music, you know? Like yeah. singing, singing music on a stage is also performing. Yeah. And it's a different type of thing, but... Yeah. So everything that you've done in your career before can help you with what you're doing now. Absolutely. So what was your first, like, what did you do to go from talking to acting? Like, did you take classes? Did you go to a, a school? Did you just spend a ten, your 10,000 hours in that voice huh? booth? Like, how did it? You know what? I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. And I think we all do. But I didn't know what I didn't know. And so when I first started, message boards were the way to get information about voiceover. And I went on to a particular message board and I you know, looked at what people were doing and heard what people were doing, sort of. I, I don't think I really understood what they were doing just yet. And then I went and got a demo done at a demo mill because <laughs> I didn't know any better and I didn't know that's what they were. And, you know, they took my money and and made me a demo that sounded awful because I had no oh. clue what I was doing. <laughs> right. Like I sort of knew. Oh, like, like they don't you know, care. Like, They're they not giving care. you coaching. Oh, They're... no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Not at oh. all. And they don't care. They'll they'll take your credit card and they'll make it sound pretty, you know, but all it does is sound pretty. It just doesn't land anywhere, you know? Right. It's not it doesn't sound like you actually cared about what you were what you were talking about on the actual demo, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh I thought that I had made some wonderful piece of art. <laughs> and I put this on the message board, and it was roundly panned. Uh. <laughs> and and once I picked myself up the ground and and stopped being butthurt, <laughs> I I um I actually immediately got in touch with the person who had been the most vocal in his criticism, and I said, I I am. I have no idea what I'm doing. I really want to learn. Can you help me? What do right. I do? What do I do? What a great thing. Most people, I don't think a lot of people would have taken that step. I was pretty determined. I'd already made the decision to do this. So I had no safety net. I was already self-employed. It was this or nothing. Right. <laughs> right? So I, I just, I thought, well, why not? Okay, I will suck it up. <laughs> and I will just ask someone who clearly knows what they're, what they're doing and, and see if there's something I can do to, 
to salvage this, <laughs> right? right? And he was super kind and took me under his wing for about six months, sending me scripts. I would send him an MP3 back. He'd send me uh, an MP3 that did made comments on what I had what I had sent him, and you know to do it again. And I would do it again until he was happy. <laughs> uh, and then he helped me make a demo that was a little more. Uh, connected, let's say. And there were some dialogue spots in there that he was the male voice for, you know. And so it was it was really, really kind of him. And, and I actually, Absolutely. I credit him with my entire career because I think all voiceovers have that kind of a story. There's always someone in their background that went, wait a minute, you're not doing that right. L- let me tell you. Right. <laughs> and those people are the people worth their weight in gold. And those are the mentors appear, you know, when you need them. What a brilliant strategy, because so many people would have maybe walked away at that point. They've been they would be so discouraged or they'd be they'd go, you know, what? they're probably right. Let me see if I can find somebody to talk to. But they wouldn't <laughs> necessarily go to the people that had made those comments online. So that was just very uh, smart and <laughs> You know, what a great idea. Well, it took me a couple of days to get over the hurt, (laughs) you know, to take the sting away a little. (laughs) But those people, I respected their opinion. And I thought, you know, if anyone's going to be able to tell me where to go from here, it'll be the people here. They're working in the industry. They're doing this. Where did you have to go from there? What did you did you have to unlearn certain things or did you just have a lot? to learn. You know, I just had a lot to learn. I hadn't really formed any hugely bad habits. I, I was never on radio. I was never, you know. Well, <laughs> what no, are you but, saying? What are you saying, uh, Jody Kringle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like that is one of the things that people say about radio DJs is yeah. that they have to get away from talking to the many people and yeah. into talking to the one. And yeah. that wasn't necessarily my problem. My problem was the acting. I just didn't have an acting background. I had nothing. Right. I had I had singing. I'd done singing on stage. I'd done that, you know, for a while, but and that was sort of putting on a different persona, but it wasn't it wasn't really what I needed as far as acting was concerned. And for me, I kind of needed to approach it in a sort of logical way more than uh, an in-my-head dramatic way, if that makes any sense at all. Because for me, because I didn't have any theater background, I didn't understand the methods. That didn't make any sense to me. (laughs) So it had to be explained to me in a different way. And really all that meant was I needed to find the right coach. And there are coaches for every different type of learning out there. One good thing maybe about not having theater is uh, theater's more broad, unless mm-hmm. you're called upon to do something broad, mm-hmm. you know, but it's more... I did know how to work with a microphone. Yeah. That was one thing that I already had. So that was a good thing. <laughs> and you just yell into it, right? That's what yeah. people are supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's amazing how many people do. Mm-hmm. Um, I say like your microphones, your camera, like if you, especially it's a little different just for a spot, but like if you were doing an audio drama or something, uh, I mean, there's, you know, you can get off of the mic and Mm -hmm. shout in the distance or you can whisper, you can, yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do with the microphone. Sure. And there are coaches who can tell you all about how to do that. So certainly there is information out there that can be had. What kind of tips, what were your big, uh, couple of big tips that really helped you out? As far as voiceover? As far as voiceover. Or if, if you were talking to someone just starting out right now, what would be 
a couple of things you would say to them? <laughs> don't avoid the coaching. Okay. Don't, don't seriously, don't think you're just going to do it from scratch and be brilliant from the start because that's not how it happens. And you don't know what you don't know. You need someone to tell you. Right. And that someone will tell you when you're ready to make a demo so that you don't make the mistake I did and blow a lot of money on a demo that's going to get you nothing. <laughs> yeah. Save that. as much money as you can <laughs> yes, and spend exactly. it wisely. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's that so many people be... that want to take your money, you know, mm -hmm. in this world for various things. Oh, yeah. It's... They feed on the dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. So Those... I would say a coach is the first thing that you need to find because that coach will lead you in a direction that will keep you from spending money you shouldn't be spending and will get you to the point where when you make a demo, you're actually competitive because right. ultimately you want to make money at this. That's what you're doing it. I mean, it's not the only reason you're doing it, right. but, but, you know, certainly just, you know, doing voiceovers because you love it is great. But if that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, you need a roof over your head. <laughs> you need to right. be able to feed yourself. Yes. You know, <laughs> these these are all things that people <laughs> like to have. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. And I, I have always said starving artists should not be a thing. I do not like that term. I think it's it's insulting. Yeah. And artists deserve to be paid for what they're doing. Well, there is a whole thing like people admire you, they'll flatter you and then they'll ask you, you know, will you design this poster for me? Like, and then they, they don't want to pay or they don't want to pay as much as your mm -hmm. asking price or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I or mean, comes, eventually. Can you come speak at this thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's for like, free. Yeah. <laughs> of course, all of yeah. that. Oh, it's yeah. exposure bucks. <laughs> right. An exposure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There comes a time when you just have to say no. And it sometimes takes a while for you to get the the confidence to to actually say no and i get it i get it that yeah. we're all like that yeah but when you get to that point you start to realize that if you say no to this you have more time to say yes to this right. and the yes that you're saying yes to is someone who actually values what you do and is willing to pay for it you know yeah, no are you going to spend well, yeah are you going to spend all your time working for someone who doesn't value what you do or are you going to work with someone who actually cares now if you uh let's say you have the talent you have the studio mm -hmm. you've you've been coached you have the skills how do you get an agent what's that process like Ooh, that is a good question but i would say that the first thing you need to do is have work of your own before you see agents don't want you unless you can make them money this is the bottom line here Right. So if you are not a competitive talent already, there, there's like this tiny little percentage chance that they may really like your voice and think that there's an opening for you because your voice is unique and because they don't have anyone like you on that on their roster. There's that tiny little chance. But I will say it's really remote. And the first thing that you should be doing is finding your own work and getting your own work and making a living on your own so that you can demonstrate to these people that you are a working talent and you are competitive. The market said so. <laughs> and you would be a good addition to their roster because you will help them make money. So then the question then is, do you have to have an agent? Like no. if you're if you're making a living doing it without one, what is yep. the benefit? More more money, I, I assume. <laughs> you know what? It but. depends. It's kind. Of, this might be a little controversial, but it depends. I think like most of the not most a lot of the national commercials that I'm seeing these days have 
really low payouts for really damaging usage. And and what I what I say in that is um if they want in perpetuity like forever to use it, if they want to be able to make however many cut downs, you know, like if you make a 60 second commercial, a cut down would be a 30, a 15, a 6. Right. You know, if they want all of those for no extra charge. Oh wow. And they just let you do a 60 and they can make a whole campaign out of it without paying you any more. Right. This kind of thing goes on all the time now, and it's getting worse and worse because television is not what it used to be. Right. And and now it's all online, and online is still the Wild West as far as advertising is concerned. Right. So, so I'm seeing a lot of stuff that used to be very high-paying and now pays peanuts. Yeah, that's really surprising. And we're talking national spots or yeah or, yeah wow yeah now i mean i'm in canada but i do national spots i've, yeah. I've done them i'm work probably 98 percent of my work is with the u.s so you know i know i know what a national spot should pay right and it's just not at the moment so really my advice to new talent is don't worry about the agent until you have your own work and even then you may not need it because right. i can tell you the regional and local commercials that are regular, those are going to be the things that keep a roof over your head and, and food in your mouth. And they can actually make you a living that's much better than that. <laughs> so right. don't hold up your nose at the at the local and regional spots. Those are those are good things. <laughs> yeah, so often it's like everyone wants the big payday or whatever, but so often it's the things that are uh, steady like that or that... Uh, aren't necessarily as glamorous yeah. that are really the things, the places where you can make your money. And that's what re- keeps regardless the lights on, you know? Industry. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would say you don't necessarily need an agent. It's nice to have them because certainly they have access to some jobs that you may never see otherwise. But do you need those jobs? And those jobs are getting a smaller and smaller payout every day. So... I don't know. You yeah. know, I, I I am worried for the state of agents. Some of the bigger ones I think will be just fine. But I'm I'm worried about the industry. Well I noticed respect. I mean I know that some agents have been let go at I, I assumed it was COVID related. It uh, could partially be that. Yeah. But I think there were a lot of things that led up to that. There gotcha. are a lot of resources that were taken away from the agents uh, a few years ago, actually. And some of them have never recovered. It's very interesting. So uh, I don't know if this, and I don't want you to, because uh, maybe <laughs> you maybe you use these sites. I don't want you to say anything you don't want to say. But do you think that voiceover sites, uh, membership sites, where you pay and you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people find you and you audition, and anybody can can post a job. It seems like, yeah. and so you might get some bizarre requests to do something for some low amount of money. Has that played into the thing with the agencies, do you think, at all? Or Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. it has. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I think people are after convenience. I mean, we're in the the era of Uber and Instacart. I mean, <laughs> you know, people people want stuff and they want it right now. And the ad industry, for instance, works really fast, especially now. 
You know, it used to be like you could fax over, fax over a script to an agency and they would have a week or or like many, like a couple of weeks to be able to cast it and call mm-hmm. people in and and have people go through auditions and, and finally settle on someone and then record two months later. Yeah. That doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. It just doesn't. Things work really fast. I've had jobs sent to me where they need it within the hour. And what happens if you miss that email or that phone call? <laughs> I lose the job. That's what happens. I assume they'd go out of their way to get a hold of you if, if it was a steady client, but you could totally. lose a gig if, oh, totally. if you were yeah, in a situation where you were substituted. They may go with the substitute from that point on. That's where a lot of people have started their careers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how a lot of things have happened. Yeah, definitely in TV promo, that happens a lot yeah. or has happened in the past. Uh, because it's such a regular gig that if you miss something on a consistent basis, they'll go with yeah. someone else. So there's all sorts of, of ways that this plays out. But yeah, I think a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Do you do any of those TV promos? No, not usually. Oh, not okay. usually. But that's kind of deliberate on my part because they call them the golden handcuffs. And they call them that for a reason. Yeah. They pay really well over a long period of time, but you need to be available all the time. Right. Like all the time. And I mean, it, dep- it depends on the network. It depends on what promo you're doing. But Well, and t- to illustrate this for listeners, uh, Jody's not kidding because I've heard stories right from the horse's mouth. Uh, a lot of these guys drive around with mobile equipment mm-hmm. in the trunk of their car and they'll get the call. They might be coming home from dinner late at night or something. And, uh, you know, they pull over to the side of the road and fire up their equipment, throw a blanket or a coat over their head for sound, you know, so they don't get any kind of odd sounds. And they cut their promo lines right there, which is, I mean, that is on call. Yeah. <laughs> like like a doctor is on call. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This patient needs saving. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all the power to them because they're doing very well and and. That skill is another type of skill in the voiceover industry that is one I hugely admire. Yeah. Um, but it's not a lifestyle that I want. I wouldn't want that either. I mean, it yeah. does sound, it looks good on spec. There's huge bragging rights and it looks like a lot of fun, but yeah. I, I Kind of like the national uh, commercials. Yeah. But just <laughs> it looks for, really good, <laughs> but you know. Looks good on a resume. Doesn't pay your bills. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, and then for just for mental health reasons, you yeah. know, I just, I yeah, you need boundaries for sure. Yeah. Um, or that, you don't. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Yeah. I don't want to say that VO promo doesn't, like TV promo, doesn't pay your bills. I'm sure they're doing I think it quite does. well. Yeah, I think they're, they're doing, doing really well. very well because yeah. they have to be compensated for that kind of being on hold. I don't, yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, yeah but but the, the national commercials was what I was referring to when yeah. I said that. So, yeah, less and less dollars in that respect. Yeah, it's is, disappointing to hear. Yeah. Should a person... Join a site like Voices123 or Voices.com or make up your own. <laughs> you know, I think it depends on how you're using them. I I would say to go in it with your eyes wide open and know what you're getting into. Because in some cases, uh, there are some, I would almost call them predatory. There are some things you need to be very careful of. And I would know before you go in what you should be charging for these things. One of the best places to check for that is the GVAA rate guide 
which is the rate guide put out by the Global Voice Acting Academy. And they are fantastic. They have coaching as well, just in case someone's interested in that. And they have a rate guide that is really the industry standard. And it gives you a really good idea of what certain types of projects should cost, how you should price them out for a client. And if you hold steady to those type, that that area, it's usually a range. So you can go from like the low to the high end. And if you stick within that range, you're, you're generally going to find that you can, you know, you'll, you'll find clients that will pay that fair rate. What's the downside of uh, running a cut rate voiceover business? What's the downside of going on Fiverr and saying, hey, I'll voice your spot for 30 bucks? <laughs> you know, you're not going to be around in a year. I don't know how you make a living making 30 bucks a spot. You'd have to be working 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like, how do you make enough money to keep the lights on? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, there's, there is something for every business that says that really your ultimate goal is to be working less hours for more money. That is the ultimate goal of most businesses. Right. Really. You know, I mean, some people are selling based on price. And if all you're selling is based on being the cheapest price, well, that's like a... Yeah. That's... Not a stamp of quality. Not a stamp of quality. And it's also a race to the bottom, you know, because there's always going to be someone who can be cheaper than you. Right. That's that's not the issue. The issue is what are they getting for the dollars that they're paying? If they are under the impression that they're getting really good quality and excellent customer service for what they're asking and for what the talent is asking, then it's well worth their time to make sure that the job is done right first. You know, it's they don't have to go back. They don't have to pay someone else to make, you know, to fix the mistakes. <laughs> like often what will happen is some of these people will go to a Fiverr talent and they'll get something done and it'll sound absolutely awful and they'll pay their 30 bucks and then go and pay someone the 400 they should have paid in the first place. Right. Because right? <laughs> this is their business. You know, this is not something you should be messing with. You shouldn't yeah. be, you know, letting anybody like Al from accounting should not be doing your on hold. That's not... <laughs> That's yeah. not a good look on your company. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Talk that's... about audio branding. <laughs> <laughs> how, how good are the uh, robot voices getting, the artificial intelligence? Mm-hmm. And what's that conversation like in the industry? Do you know, like, are people worried about them or is it still at a point where it's no threat at all? You know what? I think it depends on who you talk to. So I think that there are some people that are worried. But my opinion on the matter is that there is still going to be a place for actual people who act because that is something that AI has a really hard time with. Or even if they're able to do it, it has to be programmed in and it's so much bother and time that you may as well just hire a person to do it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, it, So I think the stuff that isn't on Fiverr and, you know, the stuff that people are already, you know, some of the things that people are already wishing they could use AI for, (laughs) you know, uh, but they're not yet because it's not good enough. You know, they'll jump at this. They will totally jump at this. But I think that the the mid-range to the high end, I think will still be a human voice because we connect more with a human voice. And I mean, yeah, you can you can try and emulate it all you like. 
eventually, I think I think it will get there. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I think eventually it will. But there's a lot more ethical considerations going into that whole thing than a lot of people are privy to, I think. I would hope so. Yeah. And also, <laughs> like, facial stuff, too. Like, for actors, for animation, you know, imagine that the AI could just emulate the voice of an animated character and the actor is no longer required to do it. That's a lawsuit had, waiting to happen. Oh, it totally to f- is. It yeah. totally is. And and actually, um, there is a fellow who runs a really good directory for voice talent called Bodalgo, B-O-D-A-L-G-O. And his name is Armin, and he is in Germany. And he says that in Germany, they've already made a law against this, that they okay. would have to pay the actor whether they lifted a finger or not. Yeah, it seems like it would. They would have to license, but then I the use of that particular that voice. But then voice. I could see the lawyers trying to say, "Well, you've already agreed to to us exploiting your voice in this, well, like trying no, to make it count right? retroactively." Yeah. yeah, like that's the thing. They did not agree to that. They agreed to do that job for that show, and usually that's how the contracts work. That show can play for however long they want. I'm I'm assuming, and they'll get licensing, and they'll get like recurring income from that as it goes along but they did not give their voice away they did not do that i don't know any actor that would ever sign that kind of a a deal yeah but again there are underhanded dealings and there are people who will tell you that this contract is for this thing and then it turns out to be for something else yeah so you really need to be careful what you're signing i'm so skeptical Yeah, I'm naturally skeptical of people, although I'll say that most people (laughs) I've met in voiceover, like a healthy skepticism. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to buy in 100% because I don't want to be disappointed somehow, I guess. I don't know. Look, I get it. I'm talking to someone about it, Jody. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone in voice, I mean, especially like I've met a lot of the voice actors that are in animation, and it just like, they seem like the nicest people in the world yeah Yeah. like you don't hear oh don't don't look that person in the eye (laughs) make sure you've separated their m&ms like there's none of that they're just they seem pretty down to earth they Uh, are yeah but yeah it's it's the one thing that sucks about showbiz once in a while you run into what you're talking about or there's the the narcissist personality that won't uh (laughs) stop talking about themselves or whatever yeah yeah yeah, but, but in general, I have in general, really, I've been doing this since 2007, and I have found that just about everyone that I have met in this industry is just a lovely person and a wonderful human. So I, I mean, of all the places I could have landed, yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy to have landed here <laughs> in your in your own uh, Doctor Who booth. Yes, there. exactly. Yes, my TARDIS. I have well, my TARDIS. Good- Yes. That's a good question. Do you need a TARDIS? <laughs> uh, do you need a booth? Or, or uh, I know a lot of people use their closets. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with just a studio, like a full room with padding spread out? You know, out? I think that the bottom line for it is that the more sound treated the place you're recording is, the better your microphone is going to sound, whatever you're using. But also, you are one person in the producing chain, So if you give the producer audio that is way too colored with room noise, they're not going to like you. So you want to make sure that, first of all, you're close enough to the mic that you don't hear too much room noise. Like the garbage man behind me? Well, you know, like that. And the ring doorbell? Yeah. Okay. So that you just stop recording. I I, I planned all this. Yes. Just to illustrate your point. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know what? In that case, like no environment is perfectly pristinely quiet. Most are not. And yeah. if that happens, you stop recording, you wait till it's done, and then you record again. I mean, no one, especially now in the days of COVID when everyone is on Zoom and everything is happening behind them, no one is going to fault you for having life happening around you. Right. <laughs> but but they just don't want to hear it on the final recording. Right. That's good stuff. Do you have anything that I, that I like, I definitely went down a path with you and I think it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's I think everything we talked about is going to help somebody listening. There's I a lot of so. good answers in there. But was there anything uh, that you wanted to mention that um, I didn't hit? Well, I, I love doing these kinds of things. Being on podcasts is, is, <laughs> is fabulous. I, I love doing it. Um, if anyone is interested in audio branding and wants to learn more about the power of sound, by all means, check out the podcast, which is at audiobrandingpodcast.com. And I'm actually having weekly Clubhouse chats now. I don't know if you're on Clubhouse. I'm not yet. I've kind of migrated over. I mean, we're on a Mac right. I'm on a Mac right now and I have mm -hmm. my iPad. So I think I can still do Clubhouse on the iPad. But you I, can. I did I, stereo last I week. <laughs> the only I did, thing I have is an iPad. Okay. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I did stereo for the first time, which is similar, but it's more, uh, it's just two people at a time. And then you can like pop on with your comments. Mm -hmm. And I think Clubhouse is sort of the, is it more of a Wild West situation? Kind of, kind of, but uh, it's definitely worth a look. And I have made a lot of fantastic, I would even call them friends. Like you start to see the same profile pictures over and sure. over again in your rooms because when you're following people, they're following you. They go into a room, you know it, you get pinged. Right. And, and then you know that they're in this room and you're like, oh, if they're interested in that, maybe I should go check it out, you know, and then you. Yeah. So, you know, and when I start rooms, people like that pop in all the time that I've seen in other rooms and that followed me. And it's it's really interesting. So I've started having a weekly clubhouse chat at two o'clock Eastern every Wednesday where we talk about the power of sound. And I actually have a club of my own now where that that chat happens underneath. Okay. So. Yeah, if anyone's interested in the club, the club is called the Power of Sound. That's <laughs> and, pretty simple. And do you uh, do you stay on topic, or, yeah, or does generally. it turn into a party at some point? <laughs> you know what? It could. It certainly yeah. it depends on who's in the room, right? Yeah. Uh, but generally, it has moderators. So there are three or four people up top that are sort of keeping a rein on things. <laughs> and generally, we stick to the topic. It can change. I yeah. mean, like the power of sound is like a really big topic. I'll yeah. ask a question and then I'll invite people up to the stage. They can raise their hand and then they're allowed up to the stage and they mute their mics immediately. And then we call on them and they can unmute their mic and say their question or comment. And they can answer the question that I originally asked, or we can go off on tangents. Right, for sure. <laughs> you know, for a little while, it probably stays on the topic. And then after a certain amount of time, it, it drifts. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a fellow named Brittle Star on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his I don't his think stuff. so. He is really fantastically funny and very Canadian. <laughs> Well, it's um, in the DNA already. Yeah, it's not yeah, fair. Yeah, I know. And uh, and so Brittle Star has a song called "Don't Invite Me to Your Clubhouse," <laughs> and it's hilarious because Clubhouse has a tendency when you open a room to just never end. <laughs> 
like no one's put a set time on it. And right. if you ask friends to join you, it's just like if there's no set time limit on it, it just goes on and people feel guilty leaving. That's what I was going to ask. Is it like trying to get out of someone's house at the end of the night? Like when, you, when you've when uh, you been to a party or whatever? They actually have a button that says leave quietly. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. That's just for show, right? I mean, wh- well, no, what happens not. if you don't hit that? It doesn't like make a, a clatter when you leave, does it? Like normally? <laughs> no. Well, leave quietly is the only button you could push okay. to leave. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you don't have any other options. Right. I got to be somewhere. Where's yeah. that button? <laughs> well, most people will say, you know, really quickly, I'm really sorry. I have to be going, but it was great seeing you all or hearing you yeah. all. <laughs> we'll meet another time, you know. Oh, kind this of sounds like a lot of pressure to me, Jody. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kind of a recluse. I kind of like my privacy. I'm not sure. Like well, normal parties give me anxiety. <laughs> Is Clubhouse going to give me anxiety? I don't think so, because you don't okay. have to raise your hand. You can just yeah. sit in the audience and listen if right. that's all you want to do. But it's really hard to actually make connections with people if you never get up and speak. Yes, it's because- definitely the all the buzz is on that right yeah. now. I will say stereo is is really nice as well, and I the only reason I did that was because it was available on both iOS and Android. Yeah. So but, they're working on it for Android. Like I, know, I was saying, the only Apple product I have in my entire house is my iPad, <laughs> <laughs> and I got on with my iPad. <laughs> and Mark Mark Cuban is I heard talk about he's got something too like Fire Fireside or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is the future. People get get on it's board. It's gonna be big. Yeah. I don't know if Clubhouse is it. I really don't know. I guess, you know, 10 years from now, we'll see if it becomes like Facebook. (laughs) I used to be on one a lot, and I don't remember what it was called. This was years and years ago, and you would end up, basically, it was like, it was, it was like that, but it was just voice messages, but it was voice messages to the universe, you know, just to strangers, if you will. And so you would make your audio post and then someone would respond, someone would respond to it and you'd go back and forth. And it was a novelty and it was kind of fun, but... Mm -hmm. It wasn't in wide use because people weren't, I guess, so as fond of as of audio as they are now, maybe. You know, now more people yeah. are willing to get on that mic, I suppose. I think also that people are starting to experience Zoom fatigue. And and being on camera all the time is stressful. It can be stressful. Right. And it's hard on the eyes too. Not it is. just not just, you know, having to put makeup on like right (laughs) whatever i mean (laughs) most guys i know don't worry about that but yeah (laughs) i know you were at the pod fest or i think you spoke at the yeah and that was fatiguing that was fatiguing it was great i'm so glad i got to uh, you know absorb it and take classes and take notes and but uh there were days when uh, when i was on there from you know six in the morning until six at night and it was exhausting not just yes, for my brain, is. but for my eyes, you know? Yeah, you have to pace yourself. You really have to pace yourself. You have to be careful about these things. The virtual conferences are not going anywhere. I think, I think, they're, I think it's a great idea. I don't want them for fan experiences because no. I do I do that. Um, it was great during COVID to mm-hmm. get to see the panel because I love panels and those can be impossible to get into. But I'm, sure. I don't want to buy an autograph from somebody, you know, 3,000 miles or more away from me. I, I want yeah. to see... <laughs> Yeah, I've been to a few of those myself, and and yeah, I usually go to Origins every year, and that Which was is? disappointing. Origins is in Columbus, Ohio. It's usually on the same weekend as Pride, <laughs> which is interesting, uh, but it is a um, it's a gaming convention. Okay. So 
Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and all sorts of board games and people dressing in costumes and yeah, lots of vendors <laughs> like like Gen Con. I don't know if you know about Gen Con, but in, Gen Con is in Indi- uh, Indianapolis now, I believe. Okay, well, didn't that start in Seattle or did it? Or am I thinking no, of a different one? No, it started one? in Milwaukee. Okay, because TSR originally the the original owners of Dungeons and Dragons yeah used to be in Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of like video games. Uh, this is, well, I think they have some, but I don't yeah. think they have a whole lot. It's it's mostly board games. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Shoots and ladders. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no, All sorts of no stuff. One's, no but one's bringing their shoots their and own. ladders to that. Yeah. People making their own. Hey, I know of a couple people where I live, Spokane, that came up with games during COVID, mm-hmm. like card games, like trivia games, but yeah, they, yeah. they've got it like, they've got their prototype and it looks fantastic. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, very cool. what else are you going to do in COVID? <laughs> well, ex- exactly. Well, that's what I, that's what my hope was, you know, for me, I'm a creative guy. So you feel weird. I mean, I don't love COVID, you know, and I don't, I'm, I'm about quarantined <laughs> out at this point, but, yeah. but I, I but I adapted it. to it early on pretty well because I, I had things I wanted to get done. Like I, <laughs> I have things to do. It's Fantastic, but oh my goodness, I'm a Gen X baby. I was like trained all my life for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and but I'm I feel bad for people too. that don't have that. I mean, I can't imagine everybody doesn't have something like that. But I, I guess yeah. not everybody does. I guess I don't know. I think a lot of people were out and about a lot more than they thought they were until they had to stay home. Right. And I, I think that that moment when we all had to sort of take a breath and sit back and stay home, yeah, I think it was actually kind of good for a lot of people. I, now, I'm not saying that this continuing this long is a right. good thing. Yeah, like I said, I hit my wall. I, I was good for most of the year, but now we're <laughs> yeah. into a second year and I've, yeah. I'm just ready for it to be done. <laughs> yeah, this is hard. This is hard on everyone. And I'm sure that there are people it's way more hard on you know, oh, yeah. than we can even imagine. Yes. But in the beginning, I think for me, it was a really interesting realization that I had planned a lot of travel, a lot of travel. And sitting back and having to stay home from it, I realized, you know, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because I, I think I would have been run off my feet and stressed and oh, yeah. not happy. Right. And, well, you know, no one's happy staying home and doing nothing, but... <laughs> well, that's the point, though, is don't do nothing. That's yeah. my, you yeah. know... There's plenty to do. It's you just... always wanted to paint? Go to Michael's and grab some canvases and paints. They're cheap and just, yep. you know, have your dog paint. I don't know. There's stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's something to be said for taking that step back and taking mm-hmm. a breath. Yeah. Press pause. Exactly. To put it back into gaming terms. Not board games, though. <laughs> yeah. Jody, thanks so much. I wanted before you split, are we able to do that parody commercial? Oh. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. So here's Jody at at work. Mm. Uh, and you can just read this straight, like pretend it's a drug commercial. Oh yeah. But like don't wink at me. But <laughs> but you can giggle. I don't care. <laughs> you know we'll what see. I'm saying. We'll see. Okay. okay. Feeling competitive? Unbeatable? Are people constantly praising you for a job well done? You may be suffering from overachiever syndrome. Enter Levana, a new medication that cleverly combines the words lazy and nirvana. Levana will help you slow down, relax, and check out, sometimes for days on end. 
giving you the time you need to empty your Netflix queue, crush some candy on your phone, or sit like a stone statue and stare into space. Leave winning behind with Levana. Some patients reported dry, unbearably itchy skin, which they were able to ignore. Other symptoms include a propensity for wearing pajamas every every waking hour, fewer waking hours, loss of appetite, loss of job, and in extreme cases, a complete loss of control over bodily functions, which most users were okay with. Remember, you are not feeling lazy. You're feeling Levana. Ask your doctor if Levana is right for you. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a cold read. Your cold read is way better than mine. And the only time you got uh, stuck for a second was because I couldn't believe you made it through propensity. <laughs> propensity and pajamas were really close together there. Uh, that was great. That was very cool. <laughs> My cold read sucks. Like if I had to work on anything, I, I think about that often. I'm like, God, if I had to do this in front of the client, oh, they would wow. be horrified. But luckily <laughs> it's just me and you know the magic of editing and all that. But I've, I've gotten very true. bad at the cold reads. Well, you know, cold is a relative term. If you're working with a client, you usually do get the script a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Take <laughs> you your notes. Give it a read through. <laughs> do you do highlighters and underlines? You know, I don't. And stuff? Yeah. I don't. I used to. If I get a Word script as opposed to a PDF script, I can usually, you know, make little notations or highlight or italicize or bold stuff that I really want. I'll put a slash where I want to pause, you know, sometimes that right. kind of thing. Um, you know, an upward arrow if I want to, <laughs> if I want to end up on the note or something like that, you know, but mm, not a whole lot because when you're, when you're with a client, they're the ones that are going to tell you what they need. So right. it's not really, I mean, I can have a look at it and I can sort of get an idea of where I might go with it myself, Right. but if they direct me somewhere else, that's where I'm going. <laughs> Does that happen a lot at, at this stage of the game for you? It, you and know, do you ever think, well, that's wrong, but you're paying me to do it that way. So I'm going to do it that way. But <laughs> but do you ever think in your head, well, I disagree with that instruction? Uh, occasionally. It does yeah. <laughs> occasionally happen. But you know what? They're the ones paying the check. That's right. And, and That's right. honestly, like making them happy is my job. Right. That's what I do. How much of your job is auditioning or do you not audition at this point? I do audition. I think yeah. we all audition. I don't think that will ever go away. I wish it would. Because <laughs> I've heard some people say that that's the job, like mm -hmm. just enjoy the acting, enjoy what you're doing, yeah. audition, audition, audition. And then I don't know what the ratio is for a successful, like a pay. Oh, I got a gig out of this. Yeah. It's, one out of 10, one out of a hundred. It's, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. I don't know what it should be anymore. Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know what? I am very picky about what I audition for. And if there are bad terms, like I've seen for a lot of national commercials, I don't audition. Yeah. Um, I will let, you know, if I'm getting it through an agent, I'll let them know I'm not auditioning because that's just polite. Right. But if I don't feel I fit the specs, if I don't fit, if I don't feel that I, that would be in my wheelhouse, then I will usually, not all the time, but I will usually pass it by because these are going out to, especially if it comes from an agent, they're going out to hundreds of other talent. And if the talent that that gets this script really feels that that is in their wheelhouse and i don't feel that i don't know yeah. if i'm going to be able to beat their read <laughs> right right so uh i don't know that it's a waste of time you know i would never say that it's a waste of time this is always uh, practice is always good and once you know what you're doing and you've had some coaching <laughs> that practice isn't necessarily perpetuating bad habits so right my my caveat with that would be get some training before you start thinking 
that auditioning is training because it's not. <laughs> um, it's a good way yeah. to close doors if you're not ready, right? Because well, exactly. Your name you know? might become familiar to somebody that's like, oh, they're they're awful. I can't yeah, even listen yeah. to this. So you, you do have to be careful that you're not just continuing to do things the wrong way. But in general, auditions can help, you know, keep your chops up, just keep you in the game kind of deal. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I think I am auditioning a lot less lately than I have been because I know... I know myself a lot better than I used to in the beginning of my career. Right. And, and I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. <laughs> right. Well, there's, so that's a component of it, but then you also have a, a, probably a roster of steady jobs. So you, you yeah. don't need to audition as much. No. Um, I mean, for, for keeping the lights on. No. <laughs> right. Well, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That makes sense though. You shouldn't audition for something you don't think you're right for anyway, because you're automatically, you're right. Like automatically you are correct because if you're not feeling it, it's going to be even harder to sell it, right? So Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, again, this is acting, right? So right. I understand that if someone's asking me, especially on an agent roster, if they're asking me to do something, generally they feel that I could figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I could do a decent job, otherwise yeah. they wouldn't have sent it. Yeah. In some cases, there are some agents who just blanket sent everything and you you know, you just hit delete a lot. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But, do you, but that's uh, the nature of the business sometimes. So, yeah. Do you have any kind of commercials that you wouldn't voice or any brand? Like, I mean, not like, like I don't want you to name a brand, but like <laughs> yeah. for me, it depends how bad I need the money, I suppose. But uh, like, I can't see myself doing a, an ad or tag even for a, a political candidate that, that I disagreed strongly with, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Or like hawking cigarettes or something I probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Fine with beer. I'll sell you beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I don't think I would do a cigarette commercial, but I don't think they're allowed anymore. No, so I don't think they are either. But I just that thought, wouldn't even like, come what up. Would, what would? How can I get Jody to say I won't do that? That's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that. Right, right. <laughs> there you go. You got it. Yeah, there's a no for you. All right. Uh, thank you, Jody, so much, Jody Krangle. Uh, we learned a lot. lot. Yeah, and I'll tr I'll. I know nobody else on Clubhouse, so if I can get... You know what? Can you send me an invite? I totally can. Because I think that's I, I a will, thing that needs to happen. I'll contact you offline. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Right on. Okay. Thank you, Jody. <laughs> Thanks. There you go, Jody Krangle. I think we just saved somebody some money on one of those uh, how do I break into voice acting books? A lot of questions answered right there. I like having a podcast. I like having an excuse to talk to people and learn stuff. If you would like to support The Daily Detour, the easiest way to do that is to subscribe in the app that you're listening to it on right now. It's free to do so. We don't charge you all of a sudden just because you subscribed. That would be weird. Uh, the second easiest way to support The Daily Detour podcast is to tell your friends about it. Also free. It would be weird if your friends started charging you for the things that you told them. I mean, you could charge them. Might be a way for you to make some extra money. But there you go, two ways to support uh, the show that are absolutely free. Now, if you do insist on spending some of your hard-earned money, uh, you can also buy a t-shirt or a mug from the Daily Detour shop. It's on TeePublic, but you'll find a link in the episode description of this podcast. Try to make things easy for you. Also, some fun stuff uh, like, like shirts for gamers. Themed uh, novelty lifestyle swag is what I'm working on right now. And if you have a suggestion for uh, some type of clothing or bag or whatever that you'd like to see, shoot me a message on, on my socials or, you know, dailydetourpodcast.com. All right, before we go, one final thought on sound. 
one final sound that I'd like to talk about, which is this. Silence. Because in the race to get to wherever it is that we're going, we often don't put a lot of thought into where we want to go, right? It's already been decided. It's on the calendar. Sometimes we don't even know how it got there. It's like, well, I guess I have an appointment today. I'm on this uh, treadmill. I'm on the hamster wheel. And it becomes routine. And then we wonder why we feel like we're missing something, right? Because we're busy. We ought to be fulfilled because we're definitely filled, if you will. And I wonder if it's because we're really not listening to the voices in our heads. I mean, we have thoughts. We recognize many of those thoughts throughout the day. I need some coffee. I got to go pee now because of all the coffee. We have thoughts, but maybe we don't notice the important ones above the noise of everything else. The rumble of traffic, the car stereo that enters our world as soon as the car is turned on because we didn't turn it off the night before. And sometimes the noise, the distraction, doesn't even make a sound. It's that glow of our smartphone that we can't seem to turn away from. And trust me, I am Mr. Media Overload. I mean, if I'm not watching a movie or TV show, then I am for sure listening to a podcast, listening to an audiobook, listening to the news, watching the news, something. There's very few moments uh, during my day where I just listen to this. And when you don't make time for this, when you don't make time to listen to yourself, well, it's no wonder we all get confused about the way we're feeling because we're constantly processing other people's ideas, other people's messages. So I don't know if turning off all of that noise is going to be life-changing for you, but I do know that it feels pretty good. I know that it's nice to do once in a while, to just shut off the devices and listen to the silence hear the air coming through the vents in the house or the birds chirping outside, maybe a dog in the distance, you know. There's noises, but they aren't really asking anything of you, which gives you a chance to ask yourself some questions and answer those questions. And if you have that sinking feeling that there's something you're missing, I don't know if you're going to find it in the silence, but I know that you're going to come up with a plan to do something. Instead of being bounced around like a pinball, you are going to decide what you're going to do next with your day, with your week. You'll decide what you want to give your attention to. And on that note, I will shut the you-know-what up. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think I'm going to take a couple weeks off, and then we'll start season two of the Daily Detour. This was kind of an extended season. This was a longer season, Um, but I think we'll just go with the actual seasons of the year. That'll make things easy, right? So we'll see you in a couple weeks, and the show will return with kind of a, a documentary special comedy in the time of COVID. Look at where we've been in terms of uh, entertainment in the past year and its effect on the people who bring it to us and uh, where we are now. So look forward to that season two of the Daily Detour on the way. Until then, be well, be kind, and don't wait for permission to do great things. Chat with you next episode. You've been listening to The Daily Detour, a production of Basic Bits, LLC, hosted by Dan Roberts. Music by Quickie. And I'm your announcer, Libet Wolf. New episodes drop Monday through Friday. Subscribe now so you never miss a moment. And we'll chat with you next time. Hey!